As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Truly embracing your complexities means rejecting anything that can harm who you are. Like smoking cigarettes, which can damage nearly every part of your body. Tap the banner to see more. This free life. Freedom to be tobacco free. I can't believe it. That Philip brought his little brother on our mission into orbit. How long until we get there? How long until we get there? How long until we get there? No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? No, 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 don't touch that. Believe it, GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. You are listening to Sean Harrison on Amp Live Talk Radio, a place for amputees and those dealing with limb loss. The views expressed on the show by the host, co-hosts, and guests are their own. Always seek medical advice from a licensed medical professional. podcast land i want to welcome you all back to another episode of amp life talk radio man i hope everybody's doing good i hope everybody survived this rain those of you that are here in central california for all of you other people that are out there in different parts of the world i hope everything is going good for you also weather wise uh again this show is listened to uh i think in 15 different countries uh, we have made some changes to the show, so hopefully everybody that was over at Blog Talk Radio found us over here at Spreaker. Now, again, I want to welcome you all to Amp Life Talk Radio to another episode, Season 2, Episode 15. We have a very good topic tonight, medical marijuana for amputees. What does that mean, man? Why are we talking drugs? Why are we talking about the sticky icky on Amp Life Talk Radio? Well, there's probably a really good reason why we're talking that over here, and it's probably because that's a very um, prominent subject right now, and I think everybody knows, depending on where you live at, um, medical marijuana is a big topic. Now, for those of that you are new, I would like to welcome you to Amp Life Talk Radio a talk show for empowering amputees with knowledge and support to make a real difference. If you are dealing with limb loss, I want you to know you're not alone. So before we start the show, I want to give out a warning because I don't want people <laughs> going out there saying, hey man, Sean told me I could smoke some weed. So I'm not doing that by any stretch of the imagination. So don't go tell your doctor or your physical therapist, that I'm endorsing you smoking some pot. I'm not Snoop Dogg. So let's do this warning and get on with the show. Warning. Marijuana is a Scheduled One drug, as defined by the Controlled Substance Act 
of uh, 1970, uh, Congress has rejected attempts to uh, reclassify this uh, marijuana as a Schedule II drug, which would create uh, exemptions for its use as a medical necessity. And the Supreme Court of the United States has ruled there is no legal authority for use of marijuana as a medical necessity. Now, I wanted to get that out there, and I wanted to issue that warning because it's very important for you to know that <laughs> before we start the show. We're going to touch on some things. We probably will end up coming back and talking more on this subject later on in another episode. But tonight, we're going to hit it hot, we're going to hit it fast, and we're going to hit it furious. This is a, um, a topic that I think is going to come up in the future. And you may, or you as an amputee yourself, may be dealing with this. Now, prescription drug, uh, prescription. <laughs> I can't talk my mouth dry. Prescription drugs. Uh, everybody knows we have a problem with overdoses, and they are the leading cause of accidental deaths in the United States. We know that. We've heard all the numbers. Uh, our new president is, is talking about that very, uh, you know furiously and everybody's on board with this um, alternatives to opioids uh, for the treatment of pain are necessary and tonight we're going to talk about this issue medical marijuana for amputees the centers for disease control the cdc and per uh, and prevention report that opioids including prescription drugs opioid plain, uh, pain relievers and heroin kill more than 28,000 people in the year of 2014. That's right. You heard those things killed more than 28,000 people in 2014. More than one year, um, more than any other year on record. Unfortunately, those uh, stats um, has done little to curb, you know, doctors prescribing and people consuming these these drugs, the opioids, man. Uh, the CDC estimates that since 1990, man, that seems like long ago, the number of prescription opioids sold in the United States nearly quadrupled. Yet there has been no overall change in the amount of pain uh, that Americans report. So people are in pain. The drugs that we're giving them are killing them, and we have all these issues with them. What do we do? So now we're going to be talking about you as an amputee, the pain that we experience. Well, <clears throat> phantom pain. What is phantom pain? Phantom pain results from uh, nerves, uh, psychological, mental, and physical activity, um, and post-amputation changes in the residual limb and the brain. So your brain tied into your your newly amputated limb is causing this phantom pain, uh, psychogenic and psychological uh, issues cause phantom pain. The prevalence of phantom pain in the first two years post amputation, the first two years that you are amputated, okay, is sixty five to eighty percent. So. You're going to have phantom pain in the first two years, 65 to 80% of people experience that. However, the severe phantom pain past two years affects only about five to 10% of amputees. You're probably wondering why I'm giving you these numbers. We will get into that. Just remember only five to 10% get into that severe pain category. Okay. We need to remember those numbers. Post-amputation, two years, 65 to 80% of people experience this pain. However, the more severe pain that requires more treatment, more therapy, more medication, only 5 to 10% of people experience that. Why is that important? Well, we're going to talk about that.
those numbers that I gave you right at the uh, end of our pre-roll here, our opener, those are really important numbers for you to remember. So as we go into sec segment one, the role of cannabis in the treatment for opioid addiction. So cannabis can be an effective treatment for pain. I don't think, uh, I think there's so much out there that people are talking about as far as studies. I think there's a lot of pros and cons. You're going to find people on either side of that aisle that say yes. You're going to find people on the other side that say no. It's so, so new at this point in stepping into this arena of trying to be considered something that amputees, and I'm not going to be talking about people who experience back pain, shoulder pain, even though we will talk about that. But as I'm talking about this, I want you to keep in mind, this is talking about relieving phantom pain uh, and opioid dependency with medical marijuana when it comes to phantom pain and residual limb pain. So keep that in mind as we kind of go through the show. This is a show for amputees, and I think it's very important that we address this issue as amputees because this may come up at some point in time in your uh, life as an amputee because you may not want to take pills. There are a lot of people out there that don't want to go down that opioid road. So medical cannabis patients are reporting that cannabis is just effective, uh, if not more than opioid-based medications for pain. The ever-increasing severity of the opioid addiction epidemic provides more justification than ever now to pursue different avenues. Uh, the largely overlooked po uh, potential of cannabis in the treatment of addiction and the spread of medical marijuana laws around the country may help give this effort a needed boost. Some of the experts are saying this is the new way. This is the new future. Things. This is where, where things are going. This is why I want to talk about this tonight on this show. Some studies uh, are showing elevated data. Okay, this is. I found this very interesting. I, I looked at some studies on the data on all prescriptions uh, filled by Medicare Part D patients for 2010 to 2013. And guess what I found? I found that the use of uh, prescription drugs for which cannabis could serve as a clinical alternative fell significantly. Once a state medical cannabis law was implemented in that area. So what we're seeing is people that are on Medicare Part D, they're out there getting the drugs. You're in an area to where now you can get medical marijuana. Well, the need for going through Medicare to get those prescription drugs, the opioids, drop very significantly in those areas once people could get an alternative to that. What is that saying? Well, I think that's saying that people are trying to do something about the opioid crisis we have here in the United States. And I think overall, there is an opioid crisis worldwide. Well, when you really look into some of the numbers and the stats on that, we're finding that there's a problem with this everywhere, not just here. So they did find that implementing an effective medical cannabis law did lead to the reduction of 1,826 daily doses for opioid pain uh, relief filled prescriptions per physician per year. So overall, they're seeing drops in doctors prescribing opioids to patients where you have a legal uh, implementation of a cannabis uh, facility or people are allowed to get it and doctors are prescribing it as a secondary alternative to the opioids, we are definitely seeing drops. But man, the, the, the studies are still so young. We're, we have not put the research time that we need to into this. So this is still such a new frontier for some of the people that are set in their ways that pot is drugs and it's bad for you. So um, these numbers 
could be more, I think, if there was more studies. So as we go through this, just keep that in mind. We are treading into a whole new area. So when I give out some of these numbers, uh, just remember that these studies are so new and so uh, far and few in between. And like I said, you're going to find pros and cons on the on one side. That's the pro. And for the people that don't want it, they're going to have their studies showing that why we shouldn't have it. So who's going to suffer? Well, of course, patients are going to suffer. Patients who suffer from pain continue to use opioids for chronic pain conditions uh, despite limited long-term efficiency. So you're on these drugs and you're taking them long-term and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. In the meantime, hopefully you don't get addicted. The management of chronic pain impacts 11.2% of adults in the United States with about 3 to three to four percent of these uh, patients receiving long-term opioid therapy. What is that saying to us? Well, what that's saying to us is people are taking the drugs, but we're also now have to provide opioid therapy for people who are on these drugs for long-term, long periods of time. This translates to roughly 1 million Americans, uh, that are getting this and it incurs cost, man, this, the opioids are racking it up when it comes to therapy costs, uh, projected costs. And some of the numbers that I found was $635 billion per year for long-term opioid therapy for some of the patients that are taking opioids on a long-term basis. That's incredible, man. $635 billion per year year to help people who are being addicted to opioids. That's pretty tragic. Long-term opioid therapy is uh, associated with the number of risks. So if you are one of the people who are using opioids for long periods of time, yes, risks are out there. They include opioid uh, use disorder, overdose, and death. In 2012, the National Institute Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drug abuse estimated that there are 2.1 million people in the United States suffering from substance abuse, use disorder-related used to disorder by disorder related to prescription opioid painkillers and other there's another half a million addicted to heroin so opioid use and abuse is right up there with heroin heroin use and addiction that is insane when we start thinking about this and how just about everyone needs you know these opioids because we haven't really looked at a, a better alternative and keep in mind, I am talking about amputees. When you get into a trauma-related amputation, cancer, vascular, diabetic-type uh, amputation, we're all going to suffer that pain afterwards of having your limb amputated. So you're all at risk, depending on the person. Um, used in combination with opioids uh, and uh, opioid pain medications, cannabis can some studies show lower opioid side effects. Now it starts to get interesting because you're thinking outside the box. So they're looking at trying to put these 
opioids in combination with cannabis, and they're finding that it is actually lowering opioid side effects. Also, the cravings and withdrawals. So, um, like I said, as an amputee, this is something that hopefully you're listening to the show tonight and hearing some of the information I'm putting out there. Now, as well as enhanced um, uh, effects of opioids, uh, thereby allowing uh, lower doses. So when they find that they mix the two opioids and cannabis, you are able to actually um, lower the effects of the opioid issue, which is meaning becoming addicted to it and helping people get off of that a lot sooner. Now, a previous report that someone did, um, they actually showed that their subject's pain was significantly decreased after the uh, addition of a vaporized cannabis um, substance, basically. They were actually using vape pen or, I don't know what, I'm not a big marijuana user, so I just, I know everybody calls it vaping. So, when they're able to do that, it shows drastic changes in pain levels. Now, are we suggesting that cannabis treatment may allow for opiate treatment at lower doses with fewer patient side effects? I think that's what they're trying to say. Mixing the two together can uh, curve some of the side effects and some of the issues rather or we'll say some of the issues that we see when we just put a patient on opioids, mixing the two together kind of makes that less uh, addictive and the side effects are not as drastic with just being on opioids. Um, This is a very important um, study that I was reading in from one of the sites that I was looking at. And the research was actually published last year. And the thing is, the thing that's so interesting about it, they found that 80% of medical cannabis users reported substituting cannabis for prescribing medications, particularly among patients with pain-related conditions. So, and, and keep in mind, I was pulling stuff from all these different sites. I'm not going to try and quote every different site because I'm not trying to give... Uh, credit to a bunch of cannabis sites and have you go out there and look them all up. But just know that all the stuff that I'm talking about, I don't really know all this stuff. I don't really smoke pot and deal with stuff like that. Um, I barely even take gabapentin. So I quit taking that years ago. I pretty much just deal with mine. So, but everybody's different. And that's the thing I do understand. And I do understand this is such a hot topic when it comes to opioid use and now we have medical marijuana making it onto the scene. It's nice to be able to talk about this and put some food for thought on the table so that you all can kind of hear this information and kind of digest it. And you're going to see later on in the show uh, some of the challenges and the hurdles you're going to have to get over to kind of get this product if you want to get it. So, like I said, this will probably end up being a second show that we're going to talk about because it is such a vast territory to talk about all the things that uh, in, in, encompass uh, medical marijuana and finding alternatives to opioid use. Now, while the use of cannabis to treat pain is becoming more accepted in the United States, the Schedule One status of cannabis has made it difficult to conduct large-scale clinical trials on its efficiency. So for those of you out there that live in California, my my neck of the woods, (laughs) you do know this is still considered a Schedule I narcotics. That's why on the federal level, people were being arrested because it hasn't been fully accepted. And I think because of that, like I was saying before earlier in the show, I think it really does limit some of the testing and some of the things that can be done to find out how effective this can be because it is still in some parts considered an illegal drug. So research is, uh, like I said, you're going to find the pros and cons on one side. You're going to find all cons on the other. 
it's really hard to get uh, proper testing and clinical studies on this when everybody's kind of uh, not on the same page, we'll say. But recent clinical and uh, systematic reviews have acknowledged that um, there is promise with using cannabis, and it might hold um, a standardized pain treatment while recognizing the limitations to come from a small sample size. Even though, so when people are sampling this and they're doing these studies, the groups are really small. We can't get large groups, large numbers because it hasn't been approved by the government. So you can't do a big government study. So some of these groups are less than 3,000 when they're doing their studies. So, I mean, when you take in consideration, we have millions of people uh, on the planet, and they're, they're testing a small sample rate of people with this. So please do keep that in mind from the stuff that I'm reading tonight, small sample groups, but because of the uh, status of marijuana, being a Schedule One uh, narcotic or drug, it's hard to get proper testing and uh, do these studies with this type of uh, limitation. Now, um, while these reviews show moderate evidence for cannabis as a treatment for pain-related conditions, they also call for additional research, like I've been saying, in the form of standardized clinical trials. Trials, so. I think as it becomes something that is not illegal, I think we'll be able to see better trials and studies done. But then that also opens up the catch 22 where if the big pharmaceutical companies take over, then who knows where it's going to go. Meanwhile, um, in a parallel medical cannabis patients are reporting the use of cannabis to treat their pain in lieu of or in conjunction in conjunction with opioids. So again, it seems like that is the number one thing I'm finding with people that are doing it. They're using it in conjunction with opioids, uh, pain-based medications to find a happy medium to where you're not getting the severity of the opioids because you're doing all opioids. You're mixing the two. Um, and I think that's, Needs more study. Now, the act of substituting cannabis for opioids has been documented in several studies of medical cannabis patients. Consistently, these studies show substitutions for the rate, excuse me, for rates um, for prescription drugs over 50%, with fewer side effects from cannabis being a top reason for substitution across studies. Again, more studies need to be done so that we can find out where cannabis can find its place in helping treat patients for pain, especially amputee patients with the different types of pain that we go through. When I come back with segment two, we're going to talk about some of the different types of pains that we experience as amputees and how medical marijuana plays into those. Sean Harrison. So as we come back to segment two of the show, as an amputee, we experience pain from residual limb pain to phantom pain. Now, for those of us out there who have had the uh, luxury to understand what RP RLP is, residual limb pain, a pain that develops at the site of an amputation, it is very different from phantom pain, uh, which is felt in the amputated part of the limb that is no longer there or on the body. The pain associated with residual limb pain, which is also commonly referred to as stump pain, can feel like cramping, aching, burning, uh, or sensations of hot or cold. So if you're experiencing some of this, that's what you may be feeling. 
and your residual lamp. <clears throat> now, there are several potential causes of residual limb pain. The most common cause will be what? Well, according to Amputee Coalition of America, is an underlying condition that is either related to surgical procedure or a present or prior to amputation from the surgery, skin problems, infections that can develop after you have been amputated. So residual limb pain is sort of a tricky thing when you think about how it can develop. Now, you figure from diabetes or other circulatory problems, uh, uh, neuropathic can arise and cause residual limb pain. So those issues there, and most patients are what, diabetic or have circulatory problems. Um, trauma caused by the, the surgery. So for those of you that don't know that actual, um, you're being beat up pretty good when you're having an amputation. I've actually attended some and it can be, you can, you can have some of the pain come from that amputation pain, uh, which is residual limb pain, such as a decrease in uh, blood supply or a loss of tissue covering the protected end of the bone. In fact, I have a patient who is getting a revision because of that. Uh, here next month uh, can also cause residual limb pain. In addition, the formation of neuroma, bone spurs, or the entrapment of nerves in scar tissue are also not uncommon and can cause residual limb pain. Now, following a lower limb amputation because of altered gait pattern, decreased weight load, uh, disuse, atherpy, and lack of muscle, muscular action, um, it's not uncommon for those with residual limb pain to also develop osteoporosis or a loss in bone density. Now, that we've kind of touched on what can happen as far as residual limb pain, what are the effects of cannabis on residual limb pain? I kind of went through that long explanation of what residual limb pain is what effects can cannabis have on residual limb pain and I think unless you're an amputee that has actually delved into this you don't really know I don't really know I've never really smoked weed for my <laughs> my my residual limb pain so we look at studies and the studies have shown cannabis effectively reduces pain and may also help address some of the pain uh underlying causes so got some people on facebook saying hi hello guys i see you over there everybody popping in is that susan hi susan so we have uh, some interesting studies that are actually showing small percentages now keep in mind small percentages because we're not on a very large government scale testing so these uh studies are really small groups sometimes under three thousand people are being tested sample rates so i want to make sure i always put that out there because I don't want you to think these studies that when I say studies have shown cannabis effectively reduces, I don't want you to think I'm talking about some big old study. A lot of times these are smaller group studies because it is still considered an illegal drug. Okay. So this study um, showed uh, basically it found that 67.7% of amputees experienced residual limb pain and a quarter of those reported the pain they experienced was uh, extremely bothersome. Cannabis has been shown to effectively reduce pain caused by acute pain and chronic pain conditions. Residual limb, residual limb pain fits right into that. Studies also show cannabis can reduce the risk of those uh, with residual limb pain from developing osteo porosis okay shown to stimulate bone formation and inhibit bone breakdown so bone density big issue um, so these studies are showing that this can reduce the risk of this and it can help with stimulating bone formation again small study sample rates 
and I don't want to put this out there that these are big stuff. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Studies that are being done. I want people to really know what we're talking about and that this is still new territory when it comes to uh, these studies and these uh, uh, numbers that I'm throwing at you tonight. And again, remember, I'm not the guy sitting here saying to you, hey, man, go smoke some pot. It'll help with your your pain. Don't quote me on that to any doctor. So we're just talking about this subject, and I'm just putting some information out there so you can hear it and you can you can go to your doctor and, and start this conversation. At least you now have something where you can say, hey, man, I heard on this guy's show, hey, marijuana might help me out with some of the stuff I'm experiencing in my residual limb with the pain and phantom pain. That's what this is for, not me giving you the green card to go get some weed. So <laughs> now uh, we need to look at states that have approved medical marijuana for uh, residual limb pain. You probably didn't even know that, huh? There, yes, there are some states that have actually approved mer- medical marijuana for residual limb pain. Man, I tell you, a plethora of information here. So, all the state, uh, on, the only state that has done this so far, the only state, uh, Illinois, has approved medical marijuana specifically for the treatment of residual limb pain. Now, here is where I really want you to pay attention because you are in California and you have a doctor. And we kind of talked about this today at some of the offices that I was in today. And I'm going to tell you some of the topics and what the answers I got when I brought this up today, because I knew I was doing the show tonight. However, Washington, D.C. and um, Washington, Washington, D.C., any condition can be uh, approved for medical Marijuana, as long as a D.C. licensed physician recommends the therapy. Keep in mind what I'm saying now. In addition, a number of other states will consider allowing medical marijuana to be used for treatment of residual limb pain with the recommendation from a physician. Let me read that again. In addition, a number of states will consider allowing medical marijuana to be used for treatment of residual limb pain with the recommendation from a physician. These states include California, okay? And it says any debilitating illness where the medical use of medical marijuana has been recommended by a physician. That's California. Connecticut. Other medical conditions may be approved by the Department of Consumer Protection. Massachusetts. Other conditions as determined in writing by a qualified patient's physician. Nevada. Other conditions subject to approval. Oregon. Other conditions subject to approval. Rhode Island. Other conditions subject to approval. And Washington, any terminal or debilitating condition. You heard me read something in there that talks about your doctor, the recommendation from a physician. That's where it gets tricky. So some doctors are probably on board with this. Some doctors are probably not. So how do you get your doctor on board with giving you an approval or recommendation for getting medical marijuana. If you live in one of these states where I just read it off where you can do it, okay, how do you do that? That's going to be the, the, the hard part. So um, you got you to gotta see where your doctor's at. I was actually in a doctor's office today, and I poised this question. I put this question to the doctor and his staff. 
The doctor was totally okay with it. And he was like, hey, it's better than giving them opioids because I'd much rather them do something like this than to get addicted to opioids. A lot of doctors probably have that mentality right now because of all the crackdown on the opioid use and abuse in the United States. So you may be able to get a doctor to actually say, yes, I'll do that for you. Then again, you may not. But but again, look at the states that have approved medical marijuana for residual limb pain. I gave you a little bit of a list of that. Let's continue with that talk. I just got off subject a little bit and told you about conversation I had in an office uh, with a doctor and the medical staff. One of the staff members actually brought up a very important point where she was saying, do you think by doing this, marijuana will be a gateway to uh, more advanced drugs like heroin and so forth? And, you know, I don't know. I guess anything could be a gateway to that. Heck, I mean, alcohol could be a gateway to going further to doing cocaine and heroin. So to say that medical marijuana, if you use it, you're going to eventually now become a crackhead or addicted to heroin. I can't say that. So, but I do think that we need a better alternative uh, out there for patients than what we're doing right now with opioids. Okay. Hang in there with me, guys. I know this is a lot to take in, but I think this is a very important top topic to actually talk about on the podcast here. So now we, we were talking about states that have approved. Also, there are several other states uh, that have approved medical marijuana specifically to treat chronic pain. Okay. So keep that in mind to treat chronic pain. They may not have addressed residual limb pain, but chronic pain. And here's, here's something I'm going to say to you. So I was in an office today seeing a patient. She's very hypersensitive in her amputated limb. And the topic came up of she doesn't really want to take gabapentin. And uh, me and the doctor both are just kind of sitting there like, well, we don't know what you really want because you don't want to take the drug that's there for you to help you with this. But yet you're having the pain. So you're either going to have to just deal with it or you're going to have to up the dose. She was at, I think, like 100 milligrams. So the doctor was trying to tell her, you can up that dose and see how it affects. She didn't want to. Now, she brought up the issue of a TENS unit for her residual limb. And the doctor explained to her, that's out of my realm. You're now into a specialist, a pain specialist, because now a TENS unit is used for chronic pain. Are you getting me now? It can't be used for residual limb pain. That's going to be into a chronic pain issue. So uh, when you're out there and you're trying to do stuff, just talk to your doctors, and I'm quite sure they'll direct you in the right place to go. But as we're talking about this issue, medical marijuana, if you happen to live in one of those states where you can't get it for residual limb pain, just remember chronic pain, especially if you're past that two year window with your amputation. Now you fall into a chronic pain situation. And remember the number I said before, it's a very important number. Five to 10% of those people experience that. That's a very, very small number. So just remember those numbers and how small of a group that is when you're going before your insurance and your doctor trying to get these things approved. Now, These states that do allow you to get approved for medical marijuana, specifically specifically to treat chronic pain, they do include Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Delaware, Hawaii, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, uh, Montana, New Mexico, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Vermont, and West Virginia. So if you live in one of those, you want to keep that in mind. The states of Nevada, New Hampshire, New Hampshire, uh, North Dakota, Ohio, and Vermont allow medical marijuana to treat severe pain. So we go from chronic pain to severe pain. The states of Arkansas, Minnesota, Ohio, Pennsylvania, 
Washington, and West Virginia have approved cannabis for treatment of intractable, intractable pain. Don't ask me what that means. Please don't. So keep this in mind as you're thinking about this, depending on where you live, as you're listening to the show and you're thinking, man, I'm an amputee and I got a lot of pain and I don't want to get hooked on pain meds. Think about that. I need to take a small break, wet my lips, and we're going to come back and try and finish up the show with segment three, where we get into some more interesting topics. back in here and let's finish up the show with segment three where we're going to be talking about can medical marijuana ease phantom limb pain and anxiety PTSD some of the things that amputees experience when they go through an amputation very important topic very important stuff we're talking about here tonight on the topic of medical marijuana for amputees Amp Life Talk Radio. Let's talk about that. Now, phantom pain, what is it? Phantom pain is a neuropathic condition affecting the amputee. Typically occurs when damage to nerves at the site of the amputation continue to send signals to the brain, causing the amputee to think the missing part of the body is still there. Although phantom pain usually occurs after the amputation of an arm or a leg. It also can appear in any area of amputation. And discomfort can include not just pain, but cold, heat, cramping, or other common sensations. We just talked about residual limb pain. Now we're going to talk about medical marijuana easing phantom pain phantom limb pain, anxiety, PTSD, some of the things that we experience as amputees, especially if you are in a trauma-related uh, amputation or an accident that led to your amputation. These things are all important. I hope my seat's not too squeaky. There's brand new leather, so hopefully you didn't hear me adjust my buttocks. Well, current treatments for this, It is estimated that phantom pain, um, phantom limb pain affects about 50 to 80% of all amputees. You heard me right. Phantom limb pain affects about 50 to 80% of all amputees. The condition usually occurs during the first year after the amputation and often becomes chronic. Lasting for months, even years with either some improvement or no improvement. Or it can increase in pain. Amputees may suffer from phantom limb pain their entire life. I talk about patients. I talk to patients about this all the time when they ask me, when will this phantom stump pain go away? And I tell them phantom limb pain can be with you for the rest of your life, depending on who you are. And for each person, it is very different. Now, veterans are one of the largest groups to experience amputations. With the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan alone resulting in 1,700 amputations as of January 2013. For them and for other amputees, phantom pain can be devastating. Current treatment is a matter of trial and error with little relief experienced by most patients. A survey in 1984 of 5,000 
U.S. amputee veterans found that 78% suffered from phantom limb syndrome. But a scant 1% experienced any relief through their treatment. So 1% of that 5,000 experienced any relief through treatment for phantom limb pain. The wars in Afghanistan and Iraq have taught us a lot about amputations and prosthetics. Well, medical marijuana as a treatment now, we need to really look at this and think about it as a form of treatment for amputees. In 2007, Health Canada approved a plant derivative cannabis extract for the treatment of HIV-related neuropathic pain. While it is not currently available in the U.S., it is in the process of FDA approval. Now, it may have been approved. This was 2017. Although not completely understood, the mechanisms of action seem to be that a cannabinoid works or work on specific pain receptors as well as neurons that transmit pain. Now, that's good information. That's good to know. And while we're not doing more research on this, I don't know why. If we know that, you know, a cannabis or medical marijuana can do these types of things for specific pain receptors, it's worth looking into, especially with the number of amputees that we see on a yearly basis in the United States. Now, in the United States, medical marijuana as a treatment for neuropathic pain has been the subject of much research, but not enough. A 2007 study published in Neurology found that smoke cannabis reduced patients' pain by 30% over the course of only five days. And over the three dozen preclinical and clinical trials have uh, validated this finding. Cannabis acts as a sort of circuit breaker, binding to pain receptors and stopping the production of neurotransmitters, which can carry pain signals. They therefore provide some of the relief from chronic neuropathic pain, including the pain involved in phantom limb syndrome. Though modern medical technologies have improved greatly in the realm of amputee surgeries and survival rates, it is still a last resort treatment for several different conditions. The number of amputees has increased because of combat and other situations, including advancing cancer and trauma due to accidents. Amputation is a life-saving technique, but it is often, and it does often leave patients with chronic health issues. Limb amputation can affect regular daily activities and require occupational therapy to become independently functional again. Amputation also changes the circulatory and nervous system. The dominant issue concerning people after amputation is pain. The dominant issue affecting people after limb amputation, anxiety. Both can be treated very effectively with medical cannabis studies have shown. Anxiety and amputation. Another chronic condition that can develop after amputation, anxiety, depression. When the shape of the body is severely altered, especially when it is no longer looking like it used to, or it looks like most of the other bodies that you're seeing, the change can be mentally jarring. Looking at yourself in a mirror, seeing yourself missing a limb 
can be devastating emotionally. Amputation also can change your ability to perform daily tasks, things that you did once before with no problem, which can affect your outlook on life. The reason for your amputation can also be a source of stress. Traumatic accidents can result in post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, a serious mental issue. Your amputation can be a permanent reminder of the traumatic event that brings back strong emotions that can be difficult to process. People with PTSD experience anxiety, depression, all along with insomnia, flashbacks, panic attacks. These things can be devastating and crippling to a person who has suffered an amputation. Even amputations that aren't a result of a trauma can equally be stressful. Cancer patients suffering an amputation due to cancer can often lead to anxiety over cancer returning and anger about cancer in general. Diabetics sometimes require amputation because of poor blood circulation. The amputation can represent the progression of their, di- of their disease and force them to struggle with their mortality. Living without a limb is extremely stressful and exhausting, especially in the beginning. Amputees work harder to perform daily tasks to rest to the rest of us who have all of our body parts. Doing things that are routine become very hard. They must monitor their health closely and may choose to use a prosthetic device. Most amputees do. This will require a routine refitting. Anxiety is not unusual for amputees. Can medical marijuana help with these issues? That is the question for tonight. Residual limb pain, phantom limb pain, anxiety, stress, PTSD, all these issues. If this medical marijuana can help with those issues and provide less devastating effects to people, amputees, you, my listener, should that become a viable option for us to bring up to our doctors? We all know the damage that opioids can cause and what they do. So my friends, tonight I asked you, think about this. Really think about it. It's something to think about because I think the future is changing so drastically with health insurance, health care, drugs. The world is ever evolving when it comes to these issues. So as I end the show tonight, I want to talk to you and say, on such a touchy subject, I regret to say that surgery has not been effective in treating phantom pain. I hear it a lot with patients going in for revisions. While surgery can be beneficial in dealing with the mechanisms or the mechanical forms of pain, such as a bone spur or a neuroma, surgery is not recommended for phantom problems. In looking at the non-surgical options for fighting for the phantoms or fighting the phantom pain, we frequently turn to medication all too often, opioids, as the first line in treating pain. A variety of medications are at our disposal as we battle the phantoms, the phantom pain, the residual limb pain, ranging from painkillers that have been used for thousands of years to drug develops to drugs that have been developed within the 21st century high tech science providing better and better drugs with even more drastic side effects 
Now, I want to say a cautionary note to be sounded right here concerning medications. While they can be useful, medications are not a complete or magical solution. Pain pills should be viewed merely as a tool to assist in the taking the edge off the pain. They can lessen discomfort and help put pain in the background, thus allowing the person to better focus on the matters living in their life. But, my friends, they are not a cure. As an amputee, these drugs are not a cure-all. They are not a magic potion. Those healthcare providers who prescribe medicines known and know the medication is not a cure. But may not convey that to the person in pain. Most doctors just write the prescription. This leads to a mismatch in expectations and more frustration. An antibiotic can wipe out an infection, but a painkiller does not eliminate pain. That's right, my friends. A painkiller does not eliminate pain. Medications may lower pain's intensity or reduce the frequency of pain episodes, but they do not necessarily change the underlying source of the pain. And used incorrectly or in excess, pain medications have the potential to harm, as we all know from the opioid epidemic that we are experiencing here in the United States. So many people have been lost, young and old. Is there a place for marijuana in fighting the phantoms? The residual limb pains? It's a very controversial subject, my friends. There is antidotal support for marijuana as a source of pain relief. And voters in some states have approved measures in support of marijuana for medical purposes. In some states, physicians may tell patients they support the use of marijuana treatment for the pain when all other painkillers have proven ineffective, but they cannot actually prescribe marijuana. Remember, it is still a Schedule One class narcotic. Instead, doctors document it in the medical record that medical or marijuana provides the only efficient and effective relief for the individual. If the person has a written statement from a doctor explaining that marijuana provides the only effective relief for pain and for their pain, then selected law enforcement, as you may have some encounters with them, may not be able or may not be inclined to prosecute you. Understand, I'm not an attorney, but if you have this information at hand, you may not suffer prosecution. That does not mean you will not be arrested. You may have to get an attorney. This can be a very expensive process. So, my friend, proceed cautiously. Keep in mind, this is a thorny issue that varies greatly among different states. One that can put both the patient and the doctor in a precarious legal situation. Officially, marijuana use remains illegal by federal law. Please understand that before you proceed. I hope this show provided some information tonight on this topic. I hope that you got something from it. I am more than sure we will touch on this topic again at later episodes as you tune back in. But I hope you did get some information that will help you tonight on this topic of medical marijuana for amputees. Now, my friends, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to another show 
I want to thank you so much for your support. I want to thank you for listening to every episode and listening to this episode. Please be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And guess what, folks? We're now on Google Play. Yes, Google has a place for podcasts. So you can check us out there. I'll be putting links up to that. I think we just got approved to be on Google. So I will make sure that everyone can get that. AmpLifeTalkRadio.com is where you can hear the latest podcasts. See what I'm up to and catch what's going on with the show. Don't forget to add Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Spreaker.com is where I do all my broadcasting and the main hub of the podcast are put out from there. To hear the show and basically for all those uh, who are listening, hopefully we're going to have some new features added over there to where you can possibly call in and do some different things like that. I've been bugging those people about that. Now, for all of you mobile device people that love your iPhones and your Androids, keep in mind you can add us on iTunes and iHeartRadio just by typing in Amp Life Talk Radio. You can listen over there anytime at your own convenience, every day, all night. Please check us out. Please add us. And hey, give me a like on all my pages. I really appreciate that kind of stuff. I would love to get your reviews and your feedback over on Facebook or on our website, AmpLifeTalkRadio.com. Now, once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in, listening. I would like to thank you all for your support, for listening to AmpLife Talk Radio. You are listening to Sean Harrison on Amp Life Talk Radio, a place for amputees and those dealing with limb loss. The views expressed on the show by the host, co-hosts, and guests are their own. Always seek medical advice from a licensed medical professional. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Have you heard? Metro now includes Amazon Prime and select plans. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment. Movies, TV shows, music, fast-free shipping, and much more. Plus now, get a free LG Stylo 4 when you switch. Discover the smarter way to wireless. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. One offer per account. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 a month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions.